What's up, rockers? Welcome to another episode of the Talk Louder podcast, where we geek out on all things rock and roll. Hit that subscribe button on our YouTube channel. Leave us your likes and comments. You can also leave likes and comments on our Facebook page. Follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Instagram at TalkLouder underscore podcast. And you can check out our website, TalkLouderPodcast.com, where you will find links to our previous episodes and uh, links to our merch. I'm Metal Dave, along with my co-host Jason McMaster, and uh, we are closing out the year 2022. And uh, so we thought it'd be kind of fun to just recap uh, the past year and maybe touch on some memorable moments, highlights, albums, concerts, just random thoughts in general about this, uh, the past year uh, here on the Talk Louder podcast and, and in general. Um, I want to start by saying that uh, the highlights uh, for Jason, I'm going to speak for you here. We've already covered your fronting Accept and fronting Armored Saint. We have two episodes dedicated to each of those uh adventures if you will uh so if you're interested in more on that go check out uh jason with accept and jason with armored saint i don't think i'm allowed to say those are my favorite episodes though <laughs> well they're definitely unique and i'll tell you this none of us were expecting to have those episodes <laughs> even just a couple months ago so um yeah that I'm, was fun. i'm glad that we that we have like a nerd super nerd bicycle we can get on you know a, a medium to to talk about my adventures uh yeah. whether it's smarmy or we're t i'm too close to it to be talking about that or you know w why should i have an opinion about it or or want to go through the you know the the photo album with uncle dave or, or whatever <laughs> but you know what i mean i think that it's i'm I, i'm i'm torn a little bit to be honest, which is why I don't think I'm allowed to have those episodes be my favorite episodes. Well, that's fine. Uh, they're yeah. out there for people to check out, and I encourage you to do so because, I mean, wow, what a, what a couple of stories there that we weren't expecting when this when this year started. Um, yeah, I wanted to just, besides talk about some of our episodes this week and just random memories in general, I wanted to start with some albums. Uh, that came out this year. And, you know, I didn't really think of this year as a particularly great year for for albums that came out that really grabbed my attention until I started recounting just which albums did come out this year. And actually, it was a pretty good year. Um, there were more good records than I than I remembered uh, once I started putting some thought to it. And uh I'll just get started uh, right off the bat because they're fresh on my brain because I just saw them. I got to give mad props to Queensryche. Uh, oh, I'm glad you brought that up. Wow. Their new album is called Digital Noise Alliance. Uh, Digital Noise Alliance. That's a mouthful. And um, uh, what a great uh, album. I tell people if you haven't paid attention to Queensryche for a while and you're a fan of, of the band for and you go back to the classic albums like The Warning, Operation Mindcrime, Empire, uh, I would say Digital Noise Alliance stacks up very nicely alongside those classic records. Um, and I really, really enjoyed it. It's been getting played a lot here at my house. And one of the things I like about it is um 
it's it offers a complete like what I like to think of as a listening experience. Now, obviously, the album is segmented into tracks, but it has such a great flow to it. Like one song just makes perfect sense after the other and into the next. And it just has this cohesion that really sounds great. Uh, Todd Latore. I think this is his fourth or fifth album with Queensryche. He's been in the band right. 10 years now. Mm, yeah. Or longer. Uh, yeah. He obviously replaced Jeff Tate, which is a line. No, a lot of people thought, Oh, that's impossible to do. But Todd has done an amazing job. He sounds great on this new album. He sounds great on the previous records he's been on. And I've seen him twice this year in concert uh, Queensryche opening for Judas Priest, and he's done a great job live on stage as well. So a uh, big shout out to Queensryche for Digital Noise Alliance. Great album. I uh, have to confess, I do not have the record yet, underlined yet. Um, I have heard two songs live. I um, heard something online not that long ago. and. Um, you know, have been in touch with Todd and I need, I don't want to bring up, I don't know, while I'm in conversation with Todd, I'm afraid to bring up the new record because I don't have any time with it yet. Yeah. But I'm telling you right now, um, and you know this already, but recently myself as well as you have become a little bit closer to Todd uh, via the podcast yeah. Um, but then the a little bit of the history, like he saw that anyway, me and Todd are we converse. And so I don't want to be caught in a conversation with him about the new record and have to be able to go conversation over. I don't <laughs> I don't know enough about it to give you any compliments. But what I was gonna say is since you and I have talked to him in length on the podcast, um yeah. He's very uh, serious about his craft. Definitely. I can only imagine that that record is being driv Todd driven. Yeah, it's a it's a solid album. Um, again, I, I tell people that have been fans of Queensryche in the past or continue to be uh, Queensryche fans that if you haven't been paying attention to their last few records because you kind of dismissed them because Jeff Tate's no longer in the band. Big mistake. Big, big, big mistake. And I agree with that. I would put Digital Noise Alliance up there with some of their best work. It's a really good album. I've given it a lot you, of play. You realize I'm playing devil's advocate here when I say this, but you realize those are like fighting words. I know. To, to and some people. Okay. And that, that's the point you're making. So, I'll stand by them. Like, yeah. I love the warning. I love the first EP. I love, uh, you know, you know, it's important to know what what you fell in love with about a band. Yeah. And then for them to go through changes and you're not really with them anymore, you know, you're yeah. not following them anymore. And then you hear all of this changes happen and, you know, <clears throat> Eddie and Michael are the only original guys now. And it's like, well, hold on a second. And if I, if I just cool my jets for a moment, I bet the way Michael plays and the way Eddie plays and those guys are involved it's going to fucking sound like Queensryche. Yeah. There's going to be moments where it goes off a little bit, but it's it, at the end of the day, th those guys play the way they play. They haven't changed the way that they play just because Jeff Tate's not around. 
Yeah, I I feel like some of their later albums with Tate sort of wandered off into some odd territory. People got confused. I think they might have got a little too experimental for their own good. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the points I'm trying to make here about the new album. And with, with Todd joining the band in general, I feel like they've gone back to what they do best. And they have a singer who's capable of doing it. Yes. And uh, that's why I encourage people, if you haven't heard the new album and you are a fan, you will not be disappointed. It's a really, really great album. Uh, so, And then also in that same realm, if you're talking about classic metal bands, I also wanted to give a shout to uh, a couple other great albums. If you're a fan of Queensryche, you're probably a fan of Saxon. Carpe Diem is the latest album that came out earlier this year in February, I believe. Another solid record. Uh, Saxon is one of those bands uh, that has put out four or five records over the past few years, and they're just great, man. Again, if you were ever a fan and you stopped paying attention after Crusader or whatever, this is a really good album. And uh, we should mention that uh, drummer Nigel Glockler, also has another band called Six by Six that put out an album this year mm -hmm. uh, that I think you and I were both kind of, I don't want to speak for you, but I I, I think we were both pleasantly surprised because um, it's a little more in the vein of prog rock. Nigel gets to flex his prog rock mm -hmm. muscle a little bit. Yeah, I compared it a little bit to not, it doesn't sound like King's X, but I put it, I put it sort of like in the bin next to it you know, in eyes, eyes shot, you know, earshot of it. And uh, it's, it's prog rock, but it's more like Asia and, or yes, or yeah. it's not like, it's not prog metal. It's, right. It's, it's got melody, lots of melody. Yeah. Usually prog metal has, the melodies are jacked up. It's algebra. And yeah. this is not that. This is not yeah. that. It's very easy to listen to. Yeah, uh, that's right. And, 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 you know, there's world-class musicians in that band. One guy yes. from Saga, one guy, you know, obviously Nigel from Saxon. And uh, the other guy played with GTR, I believe. Yeah, I think he was in Asia as well for a minute. Maybe for a minute, yeah. So, yeah, uh, good calls. It's very reminiscent of Asia, yes, uh, things like that that you used to hear on the radio that were kind of considered prog rock, but they weren't so mathematically involved that they were confusing. They were very pleasing to the ear. Um, so, anyway, uh, Saxon, and, and on the subject of Saxon, since we're talking about uh, memorable highlights from the past year, we've had Nigel Glockler on the show a couple of times we had him on recently to talk about six by six and uh I just go back and watch that episode that guy is always a joy to talk to so genuine so much fun on the last uh, episode i don't think he liked my jokes <laughs> well your I'm jokes, not, your I'm jokes are saying, an acquired taste <laughs> they sure are i was just gonna say i never said my jokes are good but especially <laughs> that day they were real <laughs> They were bricks. They were, they were sinking bricks. They were so, dying on the vine. Yeah. yeah, he didn't like those at all. And we should talk. Uh, nothing personal, of course. You know, I no, love Nigel course. so yeah, much. Nigel's a great guy. Yeah, yeah. He, he's always been gracious to us with his time. You know um, what it is? I love his laugh. So anytime that I think that I can make him laugh, I'm going to give it a shot. It's like going fishing. Uh, you know, does. I want to catch something. No yeah. matter what, I'm trying every lure in the box, right? Well, yeah. I, was, I didn't catch anything that day, but you got him to go a couple of times. His laugh is so great. I love you, Nigel. 
he has the greatest laugh in rock and roll. I've said that numerous times and yeah. I mean it, it, it it's contagious. Uh, and on the subject of great guests that we've had on the show, we should back up uh, a minute here. We were just on the subject of Queensryche. We had Todd Latore on the show. And man, I think he holds the record for the most time we've spent with a guest. It turned into a three-hour episode, and it didn't feel like it at all. I love it that he likes to talk. He, he was great. I mean, I wasn't bored the least bit. It went on for three hours, and everything was just an amazing conversation. Uh, worth every minute of it. So. Uh, it was um, <clears throat> it was a great case study on a few different topics, mainly how he uses his voice in Queensryche. Mm -hmm. If people, you know, if it says, <clears throat> if it says, you know, talk louder, Todd Latoury, and you don't know who that is, he's this. He replaced Jeff Tate in Queensryche. I repeat. He replaced Jeff Tate <laughs> yeah. in Queensryche. <laughs> and he's done an excellent job, too. Right. So, so we get to talk to him about vocalizing and how he's using his voice. Yeah. And techniques. And I enjoyed, of course, I enjoyed the shit out of it. And like days prior to that, he called me and we had a con our first really meeting. Uh, he called me. When we exchanged numbers, he called me and we had an hour long conversation. I was sitting in the parking lot in front of my work. Yeah. Hour long conversation. We talked about all kinds of shit under the sun about technique and vocal. And I was going, you wait, we're going to get into this again on the podcast. He goes, I'm ready. Set it up. Yeah, he was great. Um, besides, yeah. uh, besides Might be his my favorite episode of of this year. It's got to be near the top. It was really, really great uh, getting to know him. And the conversation was just effortless. Uh, and besides all the technical vocal technique discussion, uh, we talked about obviously Queensryche, but he used to also sing for Crimson Glory. He's got a solo career where he's done some solo records. Um, he's a drummer. He's a drummer. He's an amazing <laughs> drummer. He played all the drums on a, on a previous Queensryche album. So, yeah, he's just a super talented, super cool guy. And uh, uh, he has a, he has a lot to say. I've heard yeah. people say this about Todd and there I'm, I get it. He has a lot to say on the drums, in the microphone, in the studio. I, I think Queensryche is kind of winning the lottery. Yeah, I think they are. You know, what I'm, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Not, no, to just, not to just go all Todd Latore baby crazy on you, but. I think they're winning the lottery with that dude yeah i feel like they're re-energized i i have to admit they haven't been on my radar for quite some time but this new album uh is, is a home run and having todd on the podcast definitely helped i'm, I'm sure because that and queens doing two american legs with judas priest, judas priest. and talk and talking to todd uh they might do europe with judas now i probably shouldn't sorry todd probably shouldn't have said anything <laughs> but they're they're hoping they're they've have all their crystals out right now and they're really praying to the heavy metal gods uh yeah. no pun intended that they support judas priest in europe and i think that they should it's just my opinion whether it happens or not yeah it's a it's a huge honor for them and they recognize it and they wear it well so uh if priest takes them out on additional legs it's a great I, match europe it's a, it's a great match totally it's a great double bill mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um another album i wanted to throw out there uh scorpions 
uh, Rock Believer. I thought that record was a great, uh, I hate to call it a comeback, but um, I feel like they really recaptured some of their classic sounds from the era. I want to clarify this because some people consider the classic sounds to be the 70s with Uli John Roth, and then some people consider the classic sound to be the radio sound with uh, Blackout, Love at First Sting, that sort of thing. I can Um, understand the argument. Yeah, I I do too, but I'm just trying to make a a very clear distinction. When I say it's a throwback to one of their classic eras, I'm talking about the 80s when they were all over the radio. I think their new album, Rock Believer, uh, would sit nicely between, say, Crazy World and Love at First Sting and maybe just after Blackout, somewhere in there. So if you're a fan of those uh, Scorpions records, uh, Rock Believer, I thought was a great uh, return to that type of sound. So uh, shout to the Scorpions for that record. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really have, an, and I apologize once again, I don't have much of an opinion because I it's not on my, it hasn't been like, hey, let's hang out and listen to the new Scorpions record, which would have to, someone would have to invite me to listen to it, to give it a full review, because I'm just being straight with everyone. It's not on my shopping list to buy a new Iron Maiden record, Scorpions record, anything record, because I'm a dinosaur living under a rock. I love (laughs) this album from Kiss and this album from Riot and this album from Rose Tattoo, and that's about it. So it's hard for me to... Here you go. I listened to a 2013 release of Motorhead Mm -hmm. uh, yesterday. Uh, What's that? record called uh, 2013 that's is yeah. that Inferno? nope uh, it's the um, second to last motorhead record the last one being uh oh bad uh, bad, bad magic bad uh magic. the second to last was motorizer i believe no it's out in the car don't make me go get it <laughs> no don't go get it but you know but it's anyway, not one that it's not one that would have been on my radar to buy but right. I, I feel like I have a ton of Motorhead records, and I'm really glad to have seen that in a batch of stuff that I bought from Demi, uh, Demetrius Bermudez recently. Um, like there's a Saxon record in there, too, I haven't pressed play on that I don't know what it is either. That's not from this year either. It's probably from, you know, 10 years ago or something. Yeah. And the more I think about Inferno from Motorhead, that's got to be way older than 2013. But um, uh, but so that kind of that sort of feeds into my point. Um, there's these classic bands that are putting out records. No, I'm, I'm and, with you. I'm giving you I'm giving you, you the props in every way. Yeah, there are yeah. pleasant surprises. If, if you haven't actively pursued them and you were a fan, you might enjoy some of the latest output from, you know, Saxon Scorpions, uh, Queensryche. Uh, and I saw the Scorpions on uh, their recent tour. I went to see them in Houston, and uh, and they were great. They still deliver, you know, the hits. They're still energetic for a band of their vintage, I guess is is a polite way to say it. Sure. And um, the band that was opening for them was another pleasant surprise for me this year, that band being Thunder Mother. Thunder Mother, yeah. Uh, here's their latest record. It's called Black and Gold. Uh it's a band from Sweden and um, very good melodic hard rock. We had singer uh, Gernika Mancini on the podcast. Good, she was good job on the name. Yeah, I think I'm starting to get the hang of it. Practiced <laughs> it for a while now. Yeah. Yeah. 
but Granica was amazing. She was a great guest on the Talk Louder podcast. You can look for that episode. Hard to interrupt. Yeah. Aftershock. Aftershock. Motorhead. Aftershock yeah. okay. is the Motorhead okay. record that I just listened to like three times in a row. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thunder Mother, for those who aren't familiar, the band's been around for quite a while. Uh, Granica is the second lead singer, and I believe this is probably her third or fourth record with the band. Um, again, the new one's called Black and Gold. There it is right there. They were opening for the Scorpions. Talk about a, an honor. Uh, they they did a whole North American tour with the Scorpions and maybe some dates in Europe, or they're doing they're about to do some dates in Europe. I don't recall, but um, when she was on the show, she was hope she had fingers crossed that that was going to happen. Yeah. Um, One of the things we learned when we had her on the show is one of her main vocal influences uh, is Sebastian Bach. And I can hear it when now that she's said that I can hear it uh, in in the music, in her voice. I would say the music would be like right at home in that melodic hard rock 80s sound that was kind of all over the radio like you know bon jovi skid row maybe some docking something like that's got some melody uh but it's definitely in the hard rock vein and Gernika's voice is amazing she's yeah, she, she has some grit in her tone yeah so i could see how the some of that nasally mid-range that Sebastian does that a lot that a lot of people do that is part of the style of what you described I can I can see how yeah she would she would cop to that I would say that she's probably the the my favorite singer that came out of nowhere even though she didn't come out of nowhere she's been around for a number of years like I said uh but it's the first time I've heard of her and Thunder Mother for that matter um But wow, what a powerhouse singer she is. Um, she's also just put out a, a solo uh, song or EP or something. You can look that up. She's very active on really? social she media. Was, she was talking about that, but <clears throat> I don't remember her giving any, alluding to any release dates or anything like that. Did she do a solo? She Did just put something out. Oh, wow. I want to okay. say it's called Inception. Um, okay. Wow. And I hope that she continues to do both because uh, I really enjoyed the Thunder Mother record. Uh, It got a lot of spins in my car and in my house this year. So uh, thank you, Thunder Mother, for a great album this year Um, and great performance. I saw them open for the Scorpions. They were amazing. And then they did a one-off date at Stubbs here in Austin, Texas on the inside stage. So it was a tiny little thing, a big departure from the arenas they were playing with the Scorpions. And I was curious to see how this was going to translate. Um, and, and they did. It was great. They worked that small stage just like they worked in arena. And uh, it was really cool to be that close to them um, on their own. They're, they're not that well known. So there wasn't that many people there, which means I was right up. I mean, I had my nose to the edge of the stage. Wow. Uh, and they were great. So a lot of great stage presence, great vocalists, good, solid, hard rock tunes. Uh, if that sounds like your cup of tea, check out Thunder Mother. Yeah, you uh, were right. <clears throat> uh, Inception, Gernika Mancini. There uh, you go. Yeah, she's uh, she's got it going on. There, there's uh, there's articles and all kinds of stuff going on uh, about her past on a on a site called the Rock Pit. People can read all about it. 
Uh, Inception is the first solo single from Swedish rock singer Gernika Mancini, lead singer of Thunder Mother. is available Golden Robot Records. You guys check it out because uh, it's one of uh, one of Dave's favorites, and uh, she is a fantastic singer. I need to check it out myself. Yeah, great singer. Uh, Yeah, check out Thunder Mother and her solo stuff. Um, Another thing that was a surprise this year uh, is that EP from Frank Bello. Oh that my god, thing. yeah. Oh man. Uh, in my when I was just in Jersey and uh got to have a basically a campfire with him and the Saint guys. I mentioned the video to him. I mentioned that track to him. We talked about him playing the Stratocaster in the video. He goes, well, that's the same guitar that I used in the studio. I go, I was going to say, because it sounds like a Strat. You're banging on a Strat. It's kind of punk rock style. And he goes, yeah, it's the same guitar. And I'm like, so, yeah, that's natural. I told him that it was natural for him to sound that way. You know, people think Frank Bello, oh, he's an anthrax, so it's going to sound like anthrax. Why would it sound like anthrax? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't at all. I've only heard the one track, I got to admit, but uh, it it was it it really surprised me because it was more punk rock than I was expecting. It's an awesome song, man. I love it. I could listen to it. I told him that you were I said, I love it, but Dave likes it even more because it's more up his alley what he's into it's kind of uh it's got a little bit of it's melodic kind of punk you know it's got a lot of attitude and it's called then i'm gone that's That's right that's the name of uh the ep and the track that i'm talking about specifically uh frank bellow bass player from anthrax his first uh solo outing to be to be have to throw more information on top of this is something that his book publisher he wanted to cook have that piggyback uh his book yeah because he yeah. had these songs and he didn't know what to do with them and he told the publisher about it and the public he, the publisher heard the tracks and was like oh you got to put this out right now because the book is on the shelf you have to do this right now and uh that was kind of how that works and publisher obviously should be a music manager uh of some kind it might be i don't know who that is i'm just telling you what frank how frank tells the story yeah, uh, the the songs on the EP, we had Frank on the podcast. We've had him a couple times. Uh, we had him, were both times this year? I think the first time was late last year. Um, but we had him right. on 2022 when he was on tour uh, with Black Label Society, Anthrax, and Hatebreed. Right. And uh, we talked a little bit about this EP. It wasn't out yet, so I hadn't heard it. Um, but... He and the first time we had him on the podcast, he was uh, promoting his book, which, by the way, is probably one of the better books I've read in recent memories. It's called "Oh God, Fathers, Brothers, and Sons." I believe very is good. The yeah, title of that, it. I finally got a copy of it. Yet it's a really I, great. I finally, movie. I finally received a copy a gift from a student, and uh, haven't cracked it open yet, but I'm going to. It's not very long. It's, it's not easy a, to read. And yeah. the thing I liked about it was you get to know Frank Bello, the human being, not necessarily Frank Bello, the bass player from Anthrax. Yeah, obviously, cra- crazy rocker on stage flailing around. Right. Oh, there's yeah. obviously some overlap. But what I really liked about the book was you got a glimpse into his personal life and got to understand him as a human being and, you know, his upbringing. He speaks uh uh, very highly of the strong women in his life. He gives a lot of props to the women in his life that have helped him uh, achieve all of his success. 
Um, so but the so episode, back- both of the episodes that we did with Frank are are kind of the reasons we had him on were one was for the book and one was because anthrax was coming through town on a tour with black label society. Yeah. But if you watch both of them, you'll learn about how his feelings and how, and our feelings about uh, who he is and his book. Uh, He gives us a glimpse into the EP in both episodes. I believe we get him to talk about that a little bit. Now that it's out, I feel like people should give those episodes another spin, the Talk Louder, Frank Bellow uh, yeah. episodes, both of them, um, because they they might uh, they might rival one another as a favorite episode, actually. Yeah. I remember was... you were a bit giddy after that first one. Yes. The and first then, one. And then was... maybe it was old hat after we he was coming through with black label and we we got him. No, a it wasn't time. it wasn't old hat at all. But I just really like I said, the the conversation with Frank uh was sort of uh a, a spin-off of reading the book. So I feel like, you know, we had him on the show and I felt like again I got to know him as a person and I liked him as a person. And yeah. so I was <clears throat> I was more giddy that I'm always giddy when we get something out of somebody that we weren't necessarily expecting. Because of course we expect them to talk about their new album and well, the concert tour and that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, those are and I'm just gonna throw this out there, those might be reasons why they might be in the running for favorite episodes of this year. Yeah, because there's something that happens in the interview that you go, God damn. Yeah. Oh, really? really, That you get excited about. Yeah. You gain something. Me as well. We we get excited about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So just to recap, Frank Bellow's EP is called Then I'm Gone. It was inspired by uh, the writing of his book. He had this leftover. He had this material that was inspired by the process of writing the book. And he wasn't sure what to do with it. So he collected it and released it as an EP. And I wanted to say the video uh, is really cool. Uh, it's very raw kind of performance, but it's also got this nighttime scene where there's this car cruising and you're like in the driver's seat of the car, looking through the windshield, driving around at night in a city. And he talks in the book about a point in his life when he was uh, in a really dark place. His brother was sadly murdered and the murder has never been solved. And Frank was very open in the book and on the on the Talk Louder podcast about he got into a really dark spot where he would drive around at night looking to avenge his brother's murder. And I'm wondering if that video is inspired by that, because you do have these scenes of this car cruising the city at night. As, as heavy as that <clears throat> storyboard from the book plays out when he talks about it and where he was so bad that he may or may not have i don't recall if he actually admitted to getting some therapy about it to getting some help yes he did yes okay that's what i thought Mm -hmm. that very well might be spot on dave for that the video is trying to portray that place or that physical moment where he's in the car cruising at night looking for you know who for you know what reason yeah yeah kind of scary dude that's not uh, light it's heavy. And, and if you weren't, if you didn't know that about Frank and his life, you might not make the connection. And even I'm assuming and speculating, but I can't help but think because I've talked to the man and I've read the book that maybe they're connected. Um, but regardless, the EP is called Then I'm Gone. Frank Bellow, uh, man, what a, what a great, what a great uh, release from the bass player from Anthrax. Thank you, Frank. I love the punk rock edge of that first song and I need to hear the rest. Um, another 
man, another one of my favorites this year. This will come as no surprise to people that know me. Michael Monroe. Uh, the album is called uh, I Live Too Fast to Die Young. And uh, Michael is on one of the hottest streaks in rock and roll. I think this is probably his fifth consecutive album with the Michael Monroe band that has just been, uh, you know, out of the park home run. I, I love this record. I love everyone before this one. He's just on a really uh, hot streak right now, putting out just great high quality rock and roll. Uh, it's everything you want from Michael Monroe. It's uh you know, it's got some punk rock edge to it. His band is amazing, super tight. Um, we've had uh, Rich Jones on the on the podcast recently, uh, who also is in the band The Black Halos. Uh, speaking of great records that came out in 2022, How the Darkness Doubled, the new one from The Black Halos is really great. But uh, Rich is, uh, we had Michael on the podcast this year and talk mm -hmm. about me being giddy. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I was over the moon about that episode. Um, so he gave us some little, some insight on into the record. Uh, Slash does a guitar solo on here. And um, I should. I had some people, when, when you, when you post a link to, you know, the new episode, Michael Monroe, some of the, <clears throat> I enjoy some of the comments. And uh, my friend Lori was like, the only thing she said was no way. <laughs> and, and I commented way. Yeah. We got a lot of that reaction. I think people, yeah. we, we got a lot of that this year, not just sure. with Michael, but uh, we've had some great guests and, and Michael was generous to give us. Uh, well, some and that's enough. That's enough to say or not say without saying some legendary people. I know you're talking about Mike Monroe and his new record and, and, and Rich Jones and, and the black halos, which I'll mention now, uh, surprised me a little bit because I know very little about the Black Halos other than they're this great. I love what they're doing, the, the new video, the, you know, what I, whatever uh, I know about them now, the research I did for the episode that we literally just did not that long ago. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed that episode and those two guys. And obviously those guys have a connection that is quite rare. And they should not be taken for granted when people work off of each other really well. That comes across in, in the episode, and that might rival some of my favorite episodes this year uh, by surprise. Is yeah. the Black Halos episode. I want people to check that out. Has that been released? That's out, right? It's not out yet. Oh, it'll it's not be out, out yet. By the time people are watching or hearing this episode, it'll be out. Yes. I, I hope people enjoy that episode because those guys are just bleeding rock and roll. Absolutely. And, uh, um, yeah, I can't yeah. mention uh, Michael Monroe uh, and albums he did this year without bringing up this one, uh, Demolition Twenty Three. I'm trying not to get a glare. Oh, that's good. I see it. Yeah. Um, so Demolition Twenty Three originally came out in 1994, and it's been considered a long lost gem among Michael Monroe fans and punk rock fans. It's probably the most punk rock thing he's ever done. Um, but you couldn't get it anywhere. I think it was only wow. available as a Japanese import and it cost, you know, a ridiculous amount of money. Um, and I had a burned CD courtesy of our pal, Johnny Venom. And that's really all I ever had. I was, I, yeah, I was familiar with the music, but I never had the, the, the proper release and they redid this one. And I mean, it, the packaging is amazing. I, I'm, 
going to try. Co- the cover's cool. <clears throat> the old school, uh, old school photo collage in the in the gatefold there, but the yeah. front looks like a Bauhaus cover or something. Yeah, very it's dark and dark. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. and uh, so the packaging on this is amazing. Uh, they redid it. Uh, it's my copies on blue vinyl. I don't know if they're all blue vinyl or whatever. Uh, but the lyrics are in here. There's little summaries about the inspiration behind the songs. There's color photos. So we waited a long time for this thing to be available, but it was well worth the wait. They did a really good job. Uh, little Steven from uh, Bruce Springsteen's band, the the E Street band, he was behind this record. I think he produced oh. it and, and co-wrote a bunch of the material on here. Oh, wow. And there was... Uh, it was held up for the longest time. I don't know why it wasn't made available and I don't think it's ever been released on vinyl. So this is brand new as well. Um, but there was always some kind of problem with getting it out, uh, mm. beyond Japan or wherever it was available, uh, to the U S audience and to, to Michael. You know, given a, a, it's, it's super easy for me, probably for you for duh. Cause he's pretty much bleeds rock and roll. Little Steven. Yeah, uh, he seems to have his hands in like all of the cool sort of underground stuff. No pun intended, because he has a radio show called The Underground Garage. Yeah. And he produced that Archangels record. Pretty sure. Or did now Rogers do that? Anyway, Little Steven is involved in a lot of or is is on the, the lips. Uh, his name is on the lips of everybody who's in this sort of like cool guy underground rock and roll and even punk rock thing uh, yeah ramones uh the hanoi rocks michael monroe uh you know you're you're talking about this michael monroe stuff and I, i'm not even taken aback one bit when you mentioned that he was involved in making that record what, yeah. what was the original release of that material it came out in 94 originally. Okay, that's what I thought. You couldn't find it to save your life. And if you did right. find it, you're going to pay a small fortune for it. Uh, so it's now widely available on vinyl for the first time. And it's been repackaged to include, like I said, all the cool color photos. Was, and the, was that recorded in New York uh, with him at the helm producing, Little Steven? I think so, yeah. Okay. I, I, I would have to dig into the liner notes. What's a little the bit. band? Who's the Who's on it? Uh, well, Sammy Yaffa's on it. Sammy okay. has been Michael's right-hand man forever. The guitar player is a guy named Jay Henning. Um, that sounds who, familiar. Who's sadly no longer with us. And no. uh, the drummer, somebody Clark, his first name escapes me. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's considered like this buried treasure that you couldn't find anywhere. And I'm so glad that it's out and it's been given the treatment it deserves and it's repackaged. It's it's eye candy. It's ear candy. It's everything a Michael Monroe fan would want. And that album is solid. It's it's got a very there's a punk rock spirit that runs throughout it. There's a song. There's a cover of a Johnny Thunder song. There's a cover of a Dead Boy song. Wow. There's a cover of a UK, uh, UK subs song. And then the rest is original material. A lot of it co-written with little Steven. <clears throat> and uh, so it's got a punk rock spirit that runs throughout it. And it's dedicated to Stiv Baders, who was a, a good friend of Michael Monroe's. Right. Uh, so yeah, definitely one of the highlights of my year. I've been waiting for that record for so long. So. Well, it's an, <clears throat> it's, it's an impressive run for michael monroe's you say uh, you know bang 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 uh consistency 
in uh, his material, his health, his, uh, he's just turned 60. Yeah. Uh, his, he looks great. He always looks great. Uh, yeah. He has more energy than anyone in the hall that he's playing with <laughs> yeah. uh, combined. Yeah. Uh, so he's really, he's really a worldly rock and roll treasure when you think about it. So uh, you're the, you're the resident Mike Monroe geek here. I am more, uh, so much respect because he's a, a walking, living, breathing monster of a legend and uh, give credit to his band uh, in on the same level, Hanoi Rocks, because music would not be like there's bands that would not exist uh, without Hanoi Rocks. And yes. I won't even go there. Let's move on and talk about some of our other fave episodes. Um. Well, Michael Monroe, of course. So go back and check that one out. Anyone watching, yeah, listening, that was a great episode. Uh, speaking of great episodes, uh, I really enjoyed uh, this. Our friend Frank Meyer and Eddie Spaghetti oh, yeah. from the Super Suckers. Uh, Frank from the Streetwalker Cheetahs, Eddie from the Super Suckers. They collaborated and put out this record called Mother Effin' Rock and Roll. And uh, I Does it really say effin'? No, <laughs> I'm well, censoring myself. You're censoring yourself? No, yeah. motherfucking yeah. rock and roll. There you go. Yeah. Motherfucking, motherfucking rock and roll. Thank you, yeah. Dave. Don't be afraid. <laughs> it's my show. I can do what I want, right? Yeah, of course. Um, but That's why you got me to like yell at you and go, come on, Dave, don't be a winner. <laughs> I, no, uh, I, I don't, I'm not familiar with the record, but. It's uh, great. Yeah, I love those right. guys and the style, uh, the songs that I have heard. Um, just like, you know, that it's dude, it's right up your alley. Yeah. Dirty ass punk rock and roll a little the bit. title says it all, man. A little bit cow punk, you know, yes. Yes, uh, they exactly. do it. They do a cover of, uh, my Sharona on that's the same record, right? That's right. Yeah. And they have the original guitar player, lead guitar player from the knack wow, you've got uh, a great memory, playing right? the solo on there, which is, that's just crazy. Yeah, and Rider Size from Nashville Pussy is on uh, nice. on that track as well. Nice, um, or at least she's in the video. She's definitely in the video. Oh, okay, I think she might have recorded the track too. Maybe not. I think she did. Uh, but Frank is—I've known Frank for years, and he's always been a great guy. He's a great storyteller. So, uh, not well, only did he, he slept on your living room floor before, so you <laughs> have bragging rights. He did. He did indeed. Um, He's uh, did you just, tape off the carpet where he was laying and cut it out before you left and hung it on the wall in the garage just for keeps? I, I, I okay. rolled it up and set it on fire. Keep some, <laughs> I was gonna say you keep his DNA or no? Yeah, no, no. Um, yeah, so Frank is a is a great storyteller. We had him on the show to promote this record, and he brought along Eddie Spaghetti, which was a real treat. So we've had uh, Frank and Eddie on the Talk Louder podcast this year promoting this record. And I told Frank, uh, this might be my favorite thing he's done. You know, he's a very prolific dude. It's like he oh, puts yeah. out an album of some sort every month. Or, or five books. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so much so that I can't even keep up with Andy it all. Andy has a day job working in a film crew, directing, producing, propping. Yeah. So yeah. He's so, a writer. He's he's writing all the time. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's part of the reason he's such a great storyteller. Uh, yeah. But he's highly entertaining. Uh, he's well worth watching. Go back and look at We've had him on the show twice. And I know the episode with Eddie Spaghetti was this past year. And the other episode might have been late last year. Or I think you're right. This year. 
Uh, regardless, check that one out too, Frank yeah. Meyer on the on the Talk Louder podcast. So I uh, want to interrupt you and talk yeah. about some of my favorite episodes. Yes, please. <clears throat> um, I mean, you. I, I don't know how many more favorites you can fit in here, Dave, but <laughs> I'm going to get a couple of them in here. Um, first off, Todd Latore talked about that. Everyone, please check out that episode. Yes. Um, you'll learn a lot as we did. Uh, I liked Graham Bonnet. Graham was great. Yes. Graham Bonnet. Uh, we had him for a short 30 minute uh, interview um, talking about the new record, which is doing quite well. They're, uh, they're actually just left, I believe, a couple days ago to start a UK or a Europe tour with Dead Daisies and uh, that band FM. Okay. So <clears throat> they're, those bands are, Dead Daisies are an American band that has Glenn Hughes, I believe. Is Glenn Hughes still fronting them? I'm uh, not positive. They've gone okay. through so many members. Yeah, uh, it's kind of a rock and roll collective. Uh, yeah. But it's Doug Aldrich and and the Dead Daisy dudes. Yeah. And uh, they've had John Karabi in there. Anyway, I we, we saw um, them with Glenn Hughes. And I believe, I want to say Glenn's still with them. So the fact that it's Glenn Hughes and Dead Daisies with Graham Bonnet and support in wow. the, in Europe wow. is unbelievable. So uh, it's exciting that we, that we got to catch him right before or right after his new record uh, was about to be released. The Graham Bonnet band. I'm sorry. I don't remember the title of that record, but that's neither here nor there because it's the episode that I really loved. And here's why I got to hear him tell stories. I wanted to hear about, I mean, I don't even know if I let you get a word in on that episode <laughs> because I was so excited to talk about his time with Michael Schenker. And then we found out together why he was, that was such uh, short lived. Yeah. The story that he told was incredible. And it's one of my favorite uh, stories to reminisce about on why he made that one record. And then, quickly exited yes so if you want to know the skinny on why he was only in the michael shanker group for about five minutes and made one of the greatest michael shanker records ever no kidding uh please watch that episode yeah he was a great storyteller first of all uh, it was just an absolute honor to have him on the show one of the greatest hard rock singers ever oh yeah and uh just such a gentleman and such talked a about great alcatraz story. a little bit but it was more of just about graham yeah and uh and and i don't want to ruin it for people but there was even a bg's connection so Ooh, yeah was, that's right yeah yeah go check out the graham bonnet episode we were honored yeah. to have him i think we only had about 30 minutes with him so it's a it's a quick listen uh, but you'll, you'll get a lot out of it. I know we did. It was great. Yeah. So my next one, I have to just keep moving here. Angry Anderson. Of course. Yes. Uh, another, just like Mike Monroe, uh, um, probably on the same scale. Uh, they, they're not, they don't have anything much in common as far as, you know, height, weight, uh, <laughs> choice of makeup. What they do have in common is 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 credibility, legendary status, out the yin yang, living, walking, breathing, fire breathing, uh, legendary, uh, yes. who are who are not young men anymore, who are 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 continuing to change people's heads about rock and roll constantly. 
um, a lot of people may have uh, gotten Rose Tattoo on their radar, hence the cover of the Rose Tattoo song, Nice Boys Don't Play Rock and Roll by the one and only Guns N' Roses as early as 86, I believe. And yeah. uh, that's just crazy. That's crazy. Uh, that episode, we had him on, I don't remember, 90 minutes, the hour and a half, maybe two hours. Two hours. Yes. And he was very gracious with his time. And um, I actually liked how he would start somewhere and end up somewhere else. And we'd have to reel him back in to get back, you know, which made his answers like 30 minutes long. So yeah. I, I guess we we only asked him four questions is what, <laughs> is what that if my math is right. But yeah. I know that we were kind of like giddy and jumping all over him and he was very gracious. And Oh, man, he was one of those guys. And, and uh, you know, here's one of the things I love about doing the podcast is once in a while we'll get a guest and we're wrapping up the show and they're basically saying, call me anytime. I'd love to come back. This was so much fun. And angry was that guy. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my God, he wants to do a part two. This is the legendary angry Anderson that had such a great time with us. And he even says in the podcast that he felt like he bonded with us. Yeah. Like we were now, now we're all friends. And I thought yeah. that was really, really well, cool. He was very, he was a little bit forthcoming with his recent loss uh, he was very open. Uh, believe he even teared up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, which I tried to, we, we tried to just kind of, you know, push along so it wouldn't last. I, I remember that we didn't like, do you want to stop for a minute? You know, he was, he just kept, he kept going. He didn't say, give me a minute. Uh, strong episode super yes. strong and it was the many faces of angry anderson you don't think that angry anderson just has one face was just balls out dirty old rock and roll which is what he's known for but at yeah. the same time he's super smart uh yeah. he, he you know has done so much charity work um the funny thing is is if you talk to like old uh you know, Auss, Aussie rock fans and stuff. Some some of them, if they're longer in the long in the tooth enough to know that, or to have seen, uh, you know, angry and in Rose Tattoo back in their prime, mm -hmm. they they say shit like, and we didn't bring this up, but I I'm I'm remembering this. They say that angry's gone soft, <laughs> and the reason they say that is because he did like True Value hardware ads, and and I held some of them up to the camera in our episode. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, what do you think of this? And he's like, fuck, well, how do you have that, mate? You know, and I'm like, I'm a fan. Yeah. <laughs> Collecting anything that you're on. And I have his book and all that crap. Anyway, long-winded way to say that I enjoyed it so much. And uh, Sean from Laughing Monkey Music uh, Podcast, we need to give him a, a thank you and a shout out uh, as, as well as Cat. Uh, yeah, his publicist, yeah. Uh, for for just being cordial and helping that along and uh, facilitating because that was a scheduling nightmare. That yes, was, it was. <laughs> that was starting to be like, what do we do? Because he's in Australia, right? And it's dinner time for him, and I don't even know what time it was here. It was like the day before here. Yeah. It's here a day yeah. away. So I remember, I remember it well because you and I we taped that episode at seven p.m. on a Sunday, which is very out of the ordinary for us. We so it was like seven. It was like six p.m. or five p.m. or whatever, or maybe later seven thirty. It was, it was lunchtime on Monday. Oh shit! Because okay. remember, I asked him if he was, you know, would did he just have breakfast? And he goes, no, that was 
was a couple hours ago. So, uh, yeah, there was a huge okay. time difference. Yeah. And we had to tape at a time that we're not. I don't even know what the time difference is, but he was about to eat lunch and we were done with dinner. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. How does that? Yeah, Yeah, you you do. Oh, and he's in the future. Yes, exactly. He's a day ahead of us. He's a day ahead of us. That's in the future. That's my brain. Yeah, he was great. He was a lot oh of fun. Yeah. Again, I felt like we really might be really, rivaling the Todd Latore episode as my yeah. favorite. Just we, living, we really, living legend. So. We really connected with him. And I want to bring up and somebody. Then I'm gonna, I'm gonna interrupt you and say John Bush episode. I yeah. love, it. Yes. I love it. Uh, promoting the Wasp tour that's pretty much for the most part sold out. It's still happening right now. It's ending in about a week or two in Los Angeles, uh, which is also sold out. Um, that episode is fantastic. It just came out a couple of weeks ago, probably a month by the time uh, this episode comes out, but John Bush, and those are, those are my favorites of 22. So carry on. No, I'm going to throw one out there because I remember you commenting after we were done and we were done uh, we were turning off the cameras. Our guest had departed and you told me how much you really liked the guy and you didn't know much about him beforehand. And that's Brian small from the Hangman. That guy was fantastic. <laughs> what yeah. a great sort of like, he was on his phone in the basement in Montana. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think he was trying to escape from his family. Or I, was, I was just, there was just shit hanging on the wall, tools and boxes. And I was like, that, that doesn't even matter. That stuff. I mean, it's, it's like we, you know, me and Dave tried a little bit to have a cool backdrop, you know, but for the most part, like George from Rhino Bucket and, and Brian and a bunch of other people just, it's like just whatever. They just go to somewhere that it's quiet and their right. phone works. Right. And that's right. good enough, man. That's good enough. Yeah. So I really did enjoy talking to him. Uh, he's a dark horse. Yes. And uh, has his struggles. And I'm not saying that's why his music is so, uh, has so much, so many layers. Mm-hmm. And the way that he writes, I feel like he would agree if I said he's barely in tune. Yeah. It doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. His whatever like music school he went to is in the dirt in the backyard. <laughs> yeah. That's how he learned to write songs, to to play guitar, to sing, to that's how he learned. And that right there is why I feel like just how real that is and how like natural his abilities are and how, cause he goes through play by play about how him and his dudes write songs. He has like one guy that they bang stuff out together, whether it starts with his partner or him or whatever. I just love uh, hearing him describe how simpleton that was and uh, when we hung up that day, I was just like, I was on the moon. I was just very, very happy that I, I'm really glad that that exists in rock and roll because that's true. Yeah. There's none truer. Oh, I went to school. I, you know, I decided that I was going to be a musician and I went to Juilliard and I went to Berkeley and I did all this and now I do this and now I teach and now I do this and I've got all this stuff. So take all of that away and just have a kid comes from nothing who's pretty much you know driving a broken 
pickup truck right now and that's their car that's what they do all the time they have to work on it every day yeah to get to work or whatever and that's normal and they're okay with that that's the school that he's from like man if i don't get up and like bend this wire over i can't start my truck to go bale hay <laughs> or whatever it is i'm making him sound like a cowboy he's kind of a rock and roll cowboy isn't he kind of yeah, yeah. he's gritty uh and um and you know he's you know the cliche about being from the school of hard knocks is yep. is certainly appropriate when you talk about brian small yep I'm a big fan of the hangman and have been for years and years. So it was a pleasure to have him on the show. And I remember when we got him on the show, uh, he, he joined us on camera and he says, yeah, I was looking at your podcast and seeing all the great guests you have and wondering why the hell do they want to talk to me? <laughs> right. He, he thought he was seeing star power. And he was <laughs> It's like no way, man. Like, this well, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's like Angry Anderson sitting at his desk in in uh, an office that looks slightly disheveled. I think that you're okay in the basement. Yeah, bro, okay. Brian. Brian was great. Uh, he's just a real deal rock and roller yeah. man. And as you say, it's kind of the charm of him and the Hangman is the unschooled approach to the music. Um, yeah. It, not to say that it's sloppy or anything, but it, it's got a very raw and ragged feel and it sort of lends it a character of, you know, it, it's very genuine sounding. Yeah, if there's if there's a scene in a movie in a bar yeah, uh, and there's a shot of whiskey on a, a, on, on, a, the table. on a dirty yeah. on a dirty bar with, you know, it's you can smell it. Yeah, smell the bar when you walk walk in. And just as you open the door, you get wafted down with the smell of what's happening. Yeah, cigarettes, ashtrays, whiskey, dried up beer. It's not about being an alcoholic or addicted to cigarettes. Yeah. It's it's what it's the lifestyle that you know, and you write songs about what you know. I could be talking about NWA, right? They're yeah. they're writing about what they know. It's the same idea. The, their smell would be you walk into their jam room, NWA, it probably smells like weed. <laughs> yeah. Walk probably. into a bar where where the hangmen rehearse or they rehearse in yeah. the in the back it's, room of this shitty bar somewhere. Yeah. This is it, what you're gonna get. You your it, ears are going to get what you're smelling and seeing. It's going to smell like whiskey and gunpowder. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Ryan Small, check out that episode. Yeah, please uh, and do. Check out the Hangman's records. Uh, they've got plans for 2023. I know Brian's uh, mentioned that they've got a new album on the way and a, a tour. And hopefully that tour brings them to Texas because I haven't seen him in years. Uh, long over Brian Small needs to write a new song called Whiskey and Gunpowder. There you go. There, hey, there's the album title, mm -hmm. the next album. A couple other guests, and then I've got one more uh, album, and I've actually got a book that I want to share. Uh, but a couple uh, guests just popped into head, into my head that I thought were a lot of fun. We had a lot of laughs with uh, Stevie D from Buck Cherry. Uh, he was he was a lot of fun, and he told us a yeah. great story about vaping with Eddie Van Halen, <laughs> and I thought that was just that, that seems strange. Another great storyteller. Uh, 
just go watch that episode again. That one was a short one. He had about 30 minutes. He was actually on his tour bus outside of a gig. Yeah. You can see people like, uh, might even be Billy, like walking by the camera. He's like, Hey dudes, I'm trying to talk to these guys. You know? Yeah. Pretty funny. We caught him just before sound check and uh, he told us some great stories about touring and, and, and some of his adventures. And he's just a great guy. A lot of fun. Uh, another guy very similar, uh, Johnny Martin from L.A. Guns. I had a blast with him. I just laughed the whole time. Funny motherfucker, man. Yeah, he's a character. Uh, they have a new album coming out. Uh, it's called Black Diamonds, and I think it's going to come out the early part of next year. So, another, man, talk about a band that's on a roll. L.A. Guns is another one right there with Michael Monroe <laughs> and, and Saxon, in my opinion, that's on a streak right now. Uh, this will be one, two, three. I think this will be their fourth full length album since Phil and Tracy got back together. Man, those old dogs are working hard. Man, they are. And they're cranking them out and they're, and they're all good, man. They're solid. So Johnny Martin, LA guns. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about this, uh, leather duchess, uh, Mm -hmm. some guys that you're familiar with, uh, This album just came out. It's called Fatal Moon. And if the artwork looks familiar, it's because it was done by Tommy Pons, who did all the Dangerous Toys album covers. And uh, Tyler Heath, the singer of this band, is a is a longtime listener and supporter of the podcast. And he was recently in town to do a gig here in Austin. And unfortunately, I had to miss the show, but I went out the night before and met him and we just hung out and got to know each other a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've been spinning that record. And I would say uh, you're, you do guest vocals on this record, don't you? Yeah, I'm on uh, rock and roll clown. I believe it's called rock and rodeo, roll, rock and roll rodeo clown. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they do a really interesting cover of wasp uh, sleeping in the fire. And they, yeah. they, what I like is they totally rearranged it. It's, it's, it's not a carbon copy of the Wasp song. Uh, he's singing uh, in his uh, natural tone all the way through. Yeah. And he sent that to me, side note, he sent that to me to just, because he knows I'm a Wasp fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it because Wasp is not, they're t- on tour, currently on tour right now, which is great, but they, they're not playing that song. You know, there's, there's not really any ballads. I think the closest thing to a ballad they're doing is the Crimson Idol. But uh, I love Sleeping in the Fire. Um, Tyler sent the, sent the track to me as soon as they were done recording and uh, mixing. And to just to get my opinion and see if it would hit me sideways because he's not doing any of the high. I said, just make sure and do the harmony parts. Because at the, at the time, it was just him singing the, the frontal melody, right? And no harmonies. So my suggestion was to do the harmonies. And I believe that they did. Um, I don't have a copy of the record yet. Where the hell is mine, Tyler? I'm waiting by the post office, by the by my uh, mailbox. Uh, the point is, is um, uh, I think that these guys are carrying a torch pretty well for a certain style. And they're not, obviously not going to let anybody tell them that they're not, not uh, allowed to do that because... Well, uh, 
Tyler's voice, uh, it runs the gamut. He could sound exactly like you, my friend, when he does. He's got the Jason McMaster Dangerous Toys uh, the voice. Yeah, yeah, he has the screech. It's yeah. uncanny. Like, uh, I know you've filled in for a couple of singers recently. Well, if Dangerous Toys ever needed a fill-in singer, I would nominate Tyler Heath if, if you got sick for some reason and couldn't do a gig. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, let's hope that doesn't happen. Remember I right, said that? I don't want right. any singers getting no, sick, I'm especially not, I'm me. Not. I'm not wishing any ill will on you. Uh, but yeah. then the other extreme is he's, as you mentioned, he kind of has a more natural tone to his voice too. So he kind of ping pongs between these two different vocal styles. Yeah. And uh, well, I, I wrote, uh, he covered uh, two of my songs on his first country record. Uh, he, I wrote a country song called uh, Baby Bird. Yes. And he covered that and he did a country version of Promise the Moon from uh, Dangerous Toys Pissed album. And that's on his country record, which I have. Um, and so he's he's quite prolific. He's got a couple of different songwriting partners that he kind of stays stays on top of. So he's you know, he really tries. He, you know, he's just like us. He has a day job, but he's all about his art. Yeah, he's got his own record label too, Revolt Records. Yeah, and they uh, they're reissuing the uh, Broken Teeth Guilty Pleasure for the first time, I should say, on vinyl. Right. Which right. Uh, I guess the mailman is gonna, you know, me and you are looking at our watch, standing by the yeah uh, mailbox, yeah. going, "Hey, hey, Tyler, you got go some December. got some explaining to do." I, I would say for anyone that's curious, uh, if you're a fan of Dangerous Toys, you will really enjoy Leather Duchess. They kind of, you know, like I said, Tyler can sound like Jason when he sings. And yeah. they also kind of have that uh, a little bit of tongue in cheek humor throughout their throughout their record. Which, yeah, uh, I mean, I think that because Toys. Tyler. Yeah, that's a good a good uh, speculation that that they are influenced by dangerous toys um, among other bands of that ilk. Right. Um, but the funny lyrics, the, 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 uh, the steer skull on the drum kit, uh, Tyler's high screech voice. Um, there's a lot of dangerous toys. <laughs> yeah. A lot. There's a shopping list of dangerous toys influence going on. But uh, it's fun. It's a great listen. No, it's, um, it's flattery. Flattery can be great. And uh, they're having a, a great time doing it. And it, it really, you know, I'm I'm flattered by it. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't think that Tyler could have played me in the bloody and bruised untold story of the back room movie because he's <laughs> about a foot taller than me. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, uh uh, I think that, but I think that, you know, just the reasons that Tyler and I get along are obvious. We're all kind of, we love Dan McCafferty. We love Rose Tattoo. We love ACDC. We love Motorhead. We're both into thrash metal. We both like old, uh, you know, outlaw country. Yeah. I'm glad that he has a label because he's such a, he has the motor for it. Yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, check, check out Revolt Records. That's Tyler's yeah. label. And the band Leather Duchess. Uh, they got an album yeah, called Gunslinger. One, one, and this new one is called Fatal Moon. Um, 
wanted to uh well, that's switch. one more thing they have in common with dangerous toys is the artist on the, yeah on the yeah i mentioned that at the top tommy ponds yeah both albums too yeah, I but think. it's hard to keep up they keep coming and coming and you know so. <laughs> I, I i i'm refraining from selling tyler any of my leather pants because i'm just afraid our dna's will click together and who will become me and i'm trying to keep that from happening he's halfway there i think <laughs> without my help yeah without yeah. my help so flattery <laughs> flattery is 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 what that is and I, and I mean that with all due respect of he course and it. you know yeah. what he's a great guy they're a fun band everyone should go see yeah. yeah if you like dangerous toys check out leather duchess um switching gears a little bit i uh i read this book this year it's called Somewhere in the Music I'll Find Me, and it was written wow. by Lori Markvart. And Lori uh, was a longtime Austin resident. She fronted uh, a couple of different bands while she was here in Austin. And uh, she's been out in California now for years. And uh, I actually used to work with her at one time. And so we were we were friendly for a few years when she lived in Austin. Um and so this book is all about her aspirations to be a rock star. She makes no bones about it. It's basically uh, her, the story of her chasing her dream. And she started off in a small town, uh, moved to bigger cities that had more lively music scenes, uh, got involved in bands, did the whole club circuit, did the whole station wagon tour, couch surfing, the whole thing. Everybody that's been in a band knows that story. But she she does it really well. It's an easy read. The chapters are small. You can put it down and come back to it. And um, it plays out uh, against a backdrop of of there's some tough subjects, uh, mental illness. Her mother uh, suffered from some degree of mental illness, and that was always a, a challenge for Lori. Uh, Lori lost a baby. Uh, it, I think the baby was uh, born premature. Uh, so, and then she lost her father who was her biggest supporter, um, and her father and mother were split up at the time. So she leaned on her father quite a bit. Uh, so all of these, I just tragedies are the, is the only word that, that sounds accurate. Um, she really does a great job of telling the story about trying to pursue a career in music and, uh, also revealing a lot about her personal life. Uh, she auditioned for Broadway. She was uh, on one of those singing shows, The Voice or The X Factor or something like that. Okay, wow. And um, so anyway, it's uh, I really enjoyed it because I uh, have a lot of friends that have chased their dreams in the in the world of music, and uh, but very few of them have put pen to paper and written the story in the form of a book. And I think she did a great job. So you can find that on amazon and anywhere books are sold again it's called somewhere in the music i'll find me it's written by Lori mark bart who went by the name Lori marks when she lived in austin and i believe uh her band she fronted a band called wicked gypsy oh uh, yeah did the whole yeah. back room circuit the, the, yeah. they did the steamboat and oh, back I, room. I i know her yeah, yeah. I, know who you're, I know who you're talking about she wow. knows you because yeah. uh, when she sent me the book she told me to tell you hello because she knows oh, okay me. excellent um, oh, she doesn't name, she doesn't name the band in the book. And I think there are reasons for that, but, uh, you know, kind of one of those change the names to protect the guilty or something like that. Right, right, right. Y'all know who y'all are. 
yeah. yeah. But, but anyway, it's a, it's a very good book, a very good read. Uh, it's an easy read and it, uh, really captures a, a great story of her trying to pursue her dreams against a backdrop of a lot of drama. And, and does she mention any, uh, that sounds fantastic. And, and, uh, I'm, I'm all about it. I would love to, to get a copy of that. Here's the, here's the deal is, is to, to delve a little bit and ask you, have you read the book? Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Let absolutely. Me, yeah. Let me, uh, let me ask you, does she talk about Austin landmarks? Uh, she talks about back room or continental. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's she, another, that's another leg on the animal. I mean, uh, people right. around here in central Texas that have been in the music scene and whether they're in a band or just a fan and have gone to the, you know, gone to all the old haunts, Right. That's another reason for them to want to read about it. That's to, why I think I connected with it. I mean, I connected with it on a number of levels. I'm a writer and I appreciate books and writers and authors and that sort of thing. Um, she does talk about uh, the back room, the steamboat. Um, yeah, so yeah. I'm, you know, I'm familiar with the Austin music scene, obviously. So it yeah. resonated with me in that regard. And, you know, I can relate to the story of chasing your dreams when it comes to rock and roll and being in a band and, and all the challenges that being in a band presents, the personality clashes, uh, in some cases, the, the, the abuse, the drugs and alcohol and that sort of thing. And just the chemistry of trying to keep four or five people together <laughs> in, right. a creative, uh, in a creative process. Uh, so I, I, I connected with it on a, on a few different levels. Uh, yeah. but I think you take any one of those levels and it would be a good read for anyone. So. Wow. Excellent. Yeah. Great book. Um, man, we got to wrap up here. I just wanted to throw a couple more, uh, quick ones out there. I wanted to get the names in this episode because, uh, I, I thought they were worth mentioning. Another great release this year was, uh, an EP by a band called Fugitive, uh, featuring Blake Ibanez, who was the guitar player in Power Trip, a much loved and uh, sorely yeah. missed Texas thrash band, hardcore crossover type uh, band. Uh, his new project is called Fugitive. They've got an EP called Maniac. And if you liked Power Trip, you'll love Fugitive. Um, it's, it's in the same vein as, as, as the Power Trip, you know, thrashy uh, kind of borderline hardcore band. Uh, guttural vocals but melodic you know it's still it's it's not all cookie monster it's a it's a good listen no. so uh shout out to fugitive and their maniac ep we've been really blessed this year i think we really hit a stride late this year with jim florentine don jameson um you know you mentioned angry anderson we had kirk winstein uh just we've had of some of our guys. our favorite people um there's people that that I'm in touch with that I'm not close with who are legendary. Uh, I seem to like be the star fucker or the stalker for people who are kind of legendary, who people who I have a lot of respect for on multiple levels. And one of those, the people that I'm trying to get on the show are uh, Caton Depenya, however you say his name, Caton Caton Depenya from Hyrax. Yeah. It's just a legend. Uh, from the Los Angeles thrash metal scene, who's still doing festivals and doing, he's just all over the fucking place. Yeah. I'm trying to get him to commit. Uh, Alex Skolnick, of course, from Testament, trying yes. to get him to commit. And uh, they've been very gracious in in staying in touch with me about the idea of having uh, them uh, joining us here on the Talk yeah. Podcast. So there's people like that. There's more to come. 
Um, let's mention that we have been invited to go to Nashville this March. Yeah. We are going to be at the annual, I think it's annual, uh, Rock and Pod. I think it's like the sixth or seventh. Uh, imagine a like music festival type of a, of a thing, but this is for podcasts that are that are that interview artists or or art related or music related. Yeah. And we will be busy. They invite all kinds of like artists there and we will be interviewing them there uh, on a schedule that they give us as well, uh, taping those episodes so we can share them with you. But then on top of that, there's like the, the main stage. Um, so picture a talk louder booth where we're all set up and we can hang out and sell merch, but we are interviewing people on the spot. Yeah. <clears throat> they have a main stage that me and Dave will go to and interview the same scheduled artists. Maybe some of the bigger artists will be on stage and filmed professionally. And they will give us like a, a thumb drive with those episodes, I believe pre-edited, edited live on the fly, wow. uh, which will be great. Uh, and that's happening March. The dates are 17th through the 19th in Nashville, Tennessee. So that's right. at be... the Nashville Coliseum, it might have a different name than that, but I'm sticking with Nashville Coliseum. Yeah, I like that. It's got a good ring to it. Yeah. <laughs> so we're looking forward to that. Uh, and um, I'm expecting to see a lot of Nashville people. Some of the accept guys live in Nashville. Uh, and um Steve Rochelle from Tough is going to be there. I don't know who all is going to be there. Yeah, the roster is still being finalized. Ron yeah. Hill, I think, is going to be there. Okay, great. great uh, you know great. who's going to be there that I want to talk to is Mark Weiss. Mark Weiss. Yep. Mark Weiss is going to be there. Photographer uh, extraordinaire. He'll, he'll talk all day. So that's good. That's yeah. for a podcaster. That's great. Yes. Yeah, one question, 90 minutes later, you're like, we got to wrap it up, Mark. That was great. <laughs> yeah. I know everything about Cinderella now. Right. Mark has taken some of the most iconic photos of the 80s hard rock scene. He shot the Stay Hungry Twisted Sister Dude, album cover. Unbelievable. Uh, Slippery when the, wet. He took the the back photo of the Dangerous Toys debut record, right? Yes, he did. He, Dirty yeah. Looks, uh, Bon Jovi, it, it goes on, and uh, Motley Crue, mm -hmm. Ozzy uh, goes yes. on. Early, early in his career, Ozzy and, and Sharon Osbourne befriended him, and he became a touring uh touring uh photographer for them yeah which is sick i think that what that was for is like their tour program remember in the 80s yeah. tour programs you could buy them at the merch mm -hmm. table i think they were putting together one of those and it was his he was the main photographer for that yeah well, a lot to come in 2023 from us here at the Talk Louder podcast. We appreciate all of you for listening and watching in 2022. And, uh, and you guys get before. you some merch. We have, we still yeah. have some coffee mugs. We have some t-shirts. I just ordered a whole new batch of t-shirts. So we are fully in stock. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, leave, leave some comments. We, we love you. It's been a fantastic year and uh, che cheers to you guys. We won't see you uh, uh, again, probably until uh, 2023. So Merry yeah. Christmas and Happy New Year and all that. Yeah. And hit subscribe. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> on behalf of my co-host, Jason McMaster, I'm Metal Dave, thanking you all for another year of the Talk Louder podcast. We'll see you in 2023.